when you start stepping outside of your your comfort zone, people get nervous. Everybody do. Everybody gets nervous. That's how you know you're growing when you're uncomfortable. Little toughness. Okay, welcome to another episode of our Elite Psyche, the mental toughness pod. And, you know, we talk about or we interview guests that are successful uh, in my eyes or just successful in life in general. And we believe that if you're successful, you've gone through a lot of stuff. You've gone through some things that would be uh, mentally challenging to you. And that's why we believe that that everybody is mentally tough that wins in life because you're gonna you're gonna deal with some stuff uh so our guest today i want to talk about um young lady i've been knowing for a while and i'm gonna give you a good introduction here okay so miss de blair tate is a highly acclaimed health and wellness coach life coach author master resilience trainer former professional figure competitor military training instructor and visionary founder of the steam eight-figure brand with a profound emphasis on mental and physical well-being the blair's mission centers around instilling unwavering confidence in individuals and fostering a profound sense of self-worth by helping you embrace intentionally in your life choices and purpose the Blair is dedicated to elevating your overall <clears throat> well-being. She firmly upholds core values such as integrity, uh, first, loyalty, relationships, and good health, and empowering women to unapologetically prioritize their health and wellness without hesitation or guilt. In addition to her profound dedication to the health and wellness field, Sergeant De Blair Tate also serves as headquarters AFRC Magecom Functional Equal Opportunity United States Air Force. So, without further ado, I want to bring up my friend, person I've been knowing for quite a while, Miss De Blair Tate. How you doing? It's going. How are you? Thank you for I'm having good. me. I'm good. Good. Glad to have you on. We actually met, man. Uh, <clears throat> It had to be like 2011, maybe at uh, OPT. It was it 2011 or 2012, something like that, on on Atlanta Road when the OPT was over there. It was around 2010, 2011. That's when it was over there. For okay. Sure. Wow. And what were you doing at that time? You were just strictly training, and and uh, were you? No, you were training for competition then, right? I was competing around that time, so I was. What was I doing then? Because I know when I first came and I met Derek, I, I met him because I was working at World Gym. I had moved here from 
the military in Mississippi because of the hurricane mm-hmm. came here and I was working. I was doing, I was just hustling. So at that okay. time I was pretty much doing whatever I can. I was still getting acclimated to Atlanta, really didn't have a, a direct path. I was just kind of like going with the flow. Had you been in a competition yet or Derek was training you for your first? Well, no, my first show was in 07. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Okay, how was, I mean, what, did you place? So my second show, I placed first. So my first show, I placed fourth. My second show, I placed first. And uh, that put me at the pro level. So ever since you know me, I was competing mm-hmm. at the, on the pro level. Was anybody else in that gym that Derek was training was competing on the pro level besides you? I was the only one at the time that had my pro card. I don't. Okay. Nicole got hers. You remember Nicole? Yeah, I remember Nicole. So Nicole, we got hers. So no one else had their pro card but us. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So since then, you've moved on to bigger and better things. I just read a little bit about you, and uh, you know, I you know, I see you around. Um, and I noticed, you know, a lot of you now on social media. I mean, you're really out here on uh, everywhere, not just social media. You just out here everywhere. Uh, so how did that come about? Like I asked you, I think I saw you one day. I said, I said, do you have a, what did I ask you? Did you have a manager or something that was doing all this work for you? And you said, no, I'm doing it all. What, mm-hmm. what happened? What made you, you know, go from zero to hundred that fast like that? I just, I just created the life. I'm creating the life I wanted. I got tired of certain things and I knew what I wanted and I knew I was in charge of getting there. So it was like, I put a lot of energy into everybody else. I am a very, I would say this, I'm a very good worker. Like if I work for your company, I am a very good worker. And I realized that when I was working with the military, I, I put so much energy and effort into everybody else. And I wasn't putting that same energy and effort. I knew I wanted more. But I wasn't giving myself the same energy that I was giving everything and everybody else around me. So I just decided to change. I, I was I was tired of it. I was tired of just like existing and not really having a life I wanted. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted more for my family. I knew I wanted to be able to, to be a strong pillar for my mom because it's just me and her. So I just had to make some changes and start sacrificing and just just tunnel vision and just I never look back. Wow. I mean, if you look at everything that's happening with you out here, um, it looks like you have this. I don't know, this big machine behind you (laughs) and you say (laughs) and you saying this is all of you. Not anymore. I, I have a team now. Okay. It started with just me. So, I mean, I, I still do a lot. Like, I do a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm very mm-hmm. involved in my business. But when I first started, as far as, like, the social media stuff, like, um, you know, I'm very heavily involved. I do have a social media manager. She and I kind of tag team. Okay. Um, my hands is in everything, you know. I have a publicist now. I've been having a publicist now for, like, five years. But I had to... What people have to understand, like with a publicist, you have to give them something to work with. So when I first got a publicist, I was only like a personal trainer, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was hard for her to market me just being a personal trainer. So I started creating lanes for myself. I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be a 
a thought leader. I wanted to be a role model, somebody that people looked up to for confidence, courage, and hope. So I did what I needed to do. I became an author. I became a speaker. I became a life coach. I created a program that allowed women to, to have a foundation. And I just, just went from there. And that's where things started building. And, you know, I basically created a, a resume that allowed me to be more, um, more marketable because mm -hmm. this world for real is, is very superficial. Um, you have to be somebody in order for a lot of people to pay attention. And I'm going the hard way. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I'm grinding it out with the team that I have. Hey y'all, this is the Blair. This is my brand shoot. I'm super, super excited. I have a whole production. Like I'm popping my collar today because we getting ready for these shots. I have my hairstylist. I have my posing coach. I have my stylist, my photographer, my videographer, my lover. Hey, I'm popping today. I'm a very important person and I feel like it today. So we getting ready to just get some amazing shots for the eight figure brand. The conference is coming up. It's going to be popping. It's up for me. Wow. So tell me about this. Um, is, is it a sponsorship from Shell or what are you doing with Shell Corporation? I am DeBlair Tate. I am fueled by my resilience. So many people trust and depend on my guidance with their life. I fight my internal battles by helping others fight theirs. My drive helps others perform at their best. The fire in me helps spark motivation in them. My name is DeBlair Tate. My performance is unbound. Yes, I am an ambassador for them. I actually somebody knew somebody that knew somebody and my name was ringing and they reached out to me. I got a phone call from a gentleman that I, I did an intern with. I used to do graphic design. You remember when I did graphic yeah, design? Yeah. 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 So I, I got a call from a guy. He no longer lives here. Um, he lives in New York. So he called and was like, Hey, um, I gave your name to so-and-so, so-and-so. I see what you're doing out here and you'll be perfect for this situation. And I was like, wow. You know, and I was blown away and I, I didn't even think that it was as big as it was. I was like, OK, they called me like weeks later with this whole contract, this formula, this big production. I was like, I really can't believe this is happening. So I did two commercials with them, two national um, televised commercials with them. And, you know, we're we're going to partner in the future for some other things. So that right there was very unexpected, but it was I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Wow, that's cool. So um, the eight figure brand, the, the shirt that I have on here. So tell me how you came up with that concept. Where, where did that come about? So it has grown. So initially when I came up with it, I wanted to create. So I wanted to get out of personal training, right? Mm -hmm. And, but I wanted to stay in the health and wellness field. So um, I'm always purchasing other people's brand because I'm, I'm an athlete. So I'm always wearing athletic wear. And I was like, I want to create something for somebody else that, that they can feel good about. So it was more so about creating a brand that everyone felt comfortable wearing, that everybody could represent. And the, and the eight represents like self-love, you know, just confidence, like accepting yourself for who you are, not worrying about what anybody else thinks. And that's why the clothes... I have something for everybody. You don't like showing your arms. I have long sleeves. I have short sleeves. I have 
three eggs, four eggs. I have extra small, something for everyone. So they don't feel like they can't buy a particular brand because it doesn't come in their size or they don't look a certain type of way in it. So that was the whole initial basis around it. Now it's expanded into an entire brand. So there's so many entities to it now. Okay. I see your first book behind you, but those other books, is that your second book? That's my second book. Okay. Tell us about that. The second book is Level Up. So it's uh, it's basically the blueprint that I use to get to where I am today. So if you ever want to know how I got here and the, qual the, the different characteristics and the mindsets that I had to shift to, you know, it talks about setting boundaries. It talks about um, healthy relationships, healthy boundaries, talk about your relationship with finances. All of those things play a role in your mental health. So it mm -hmm. kind of gives you, talks, you know, talks about nurturing your spirit, how many times we do things that we don't want to do. We do things that's pleasing to others that's not pleasing to ourselves. So it, it teaches you how to be one with yourself and accept yourself who you are and not trying to appease to the world because that's when you find like unhappiness because you're doing things that other people want you to do. It's like if you're in friendships and relationships, when those relationships end, a lot of people don't even know who they are anymore because they've been so engulfed in what someone else wanted them to do and they lost themselves. So it's just kind of like a blueprint to basically empowering your life and getting back to where you used to be. Okay. Now, <clears throat> just seeing you around the gym, you know, in the past, you seem so quiet, you know, it's almost like, and then you said, you know, you want to be a thought leader and you know, I would have never picked that up just from our conversations and you being around the gym. So had you always thought about being a thought leader? I mean, what did something trigger you where somebody said, you know, you've helped them tremendously and you thought maybe I might need to do this or where did that come from? I never had any intentions on doing anything, honestly. And I'm, I'm <laughs> it's a, a, something that people don't know about me. I am very shy. Like I don't, I don't talk much. If I know you, I'm very comfortable around you. I will speak. I have a large voice and I have, I'm very confident in when I speak, but I'm just a more laid back type vibe. So you would never think that if you just saw me out, um, right. unless we were like really, really close. Yeah. And then I, you re really get to see, you know, who I really am. Sharing my story, my life with you in hopes that I can connect with you. I can help you. You can get to know who the Blair really is behind the fitness because that's what I was known for but I'm really starting to show you who I really am so I hope you continue to follow me support you know just have conversation with me my thing is I love dialogue and I want to be able to connect with you so please don't make me share my story you guys don't share back with me so that's my whole goal is to just start dialogue and to get you guys to connect and get to know me but just I just been on a journey and I have not had any type of like this happened not on purpose mm -hmm. so it just kind of fell it just one thing just led to another so I didn't say oh I want to do this and oh I want to do that this stemmed from my personal training and my relationship with my clients one thing that's a that's a uh one of my my strengths is that I care for people like I genuinely care for people. So even with my clients, I invested in knowing who they are, what they felt. So it wasn't just about me transitioning them or making them look good or lose weight or whatever. Most of them came in. They talked to me about 
real things that was happening in their lives. So the issue was never just them wanting to lose weight. They had so many other things that they were battling. And I said, it has to be more to it. So that's when I started tapping into the mental part and started, you know, spending time with having more conversations with them and really getting to understand what is causing a person to feel like they need to maybe be accepted or do certain things or why do they feel that they have to change their bodies to, for somebody to love them or they have to sacrifice who they are and be disrespected just to be in a relationship because they feel like nobody else will want them because they're not comfortable with who they see in the mirror. All of this stuff was, was happening to clients that you wouldn't even think that it was happening to. But right. it was because I took that time. It wasn't just about me training them. I took time to really invest in who they were internally. And that stemmed me into wanting to, to help them on a deeper level. And I created my program. And even when I created my program, it was a more behind the scenes. You had to know me and talk to me for me to invite you to the program because I really didn't broadcast it because mm -hmm. it, was, it was very in-depth. And it's just now getting to the point where a lot of people are knowing about it because I've helped like hundreds of people and they talk about it. But it, it just one thing is led to another. Like I said, there was no path. Right. You know, even with me becoming an author, I didn't even like reading growing up, you right. know. So everything just happened. And now I'm like an advocate reader, like a published author. Just one thing led to another. So it's just kind of like I, I prayed. And this is truly God ordering my steps because this is not my dream. It wasn't my path, but it's my passion. And I love it so much. And I, I can't explain it. Right. So, you know, just you talking now, going in detail about everything, you probably since 2011 to now, that's the most I've heard you talk. I know, right? <laughs> I'm saying, besides me saying, that go play, we speak. And, uh, you know, uh, so tell me this, though, a couple of things. One, I want to talk about your caring for people. And two, your event that you that you're doing now i guess when you said your program because i know you how did that we'll talk about how did that start and you know where it is now but the caring for people do you think that came from uh being from a small town where you were raised through a small town i definitely get it from my mom i see her my mom is she hasn't met a stranger she feeds everybody in the community you know <laughs> she cooks enough for everybody she, everybody loves her and I have that. I have that. It just, it's natural. It's not something mm -hmm. I have to do. It just, it's just a natural trait. Right. So, and it so probably now, came from the small town. Like it possibly, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, um, it just, well, you know, most people, not most, but a lot of people from small towns, you know, you have a more caring, you know, you're a more caring person. Like you grew up in a big city, a bigger city, you know, people hardly speak. You walk right by them. You don't, you know, it's just, it's almost like, you know, you don't want to show your weakness or something. But in a, in a, when you grow up in a smaller area, everybody is, you know, I mean, it's not like you can't say that about everybody, but, you know, it's like you're, you're you know, you're a family, the neighborhood, like you said, the community, everybody's kind of raised that way. Right. Um, but what about your your program? So how, when did you start doing it? And how did you start and how did it get to where it is now? So I started doing it specifically for my city in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. 
I saw a need because a lot of us were obese. A lot of us were uneducated in regards to even knowing what to do to get to a, a, a place where you're in a healthy state. Because if you know anything about those small cities, health is not on the forefront. Like we know health, whatever, but mm-hmm. we fry everything. Yes. You know, we fry everything. We're going to put salt in everything. We're going to put gravy in anything. Yeah. You know, so the eating is a little bit differently. So we see a lot of people dying from heart disease, heart failure, different things like that. And I just saw, I was just seeing too many people pass away at a young age. So I started um, creating a program that was feasible. So I was like, I have to give back. I know too much. I know Mm -hmm. too much about health, fitness, wellness, about living a healthy life. I have to help my hometown. I, I need to do something. So that was the foundation of the program. Me helping people to just kind of like educate them on the things that I know, you know, okay. to just try to make them live longer and be, and be healthier. I remember now back in the day when you were going back uh, doing that, I kind of remember you, but it was more of a, it was more of training and working out people, but your event now is, is, is bigger than that, right? It's like a, it's like a, um, event where you bring speakers in and i mean is, is, is do you still do the the exercise and all that or is it just so you're 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 um uh, two different ones you're t- yep you're talking about two different things i do have a program it's, it's a very very uh in-depth specific program and i do have a conference now so two things that's all all was okay. a spinoff on on another one so the the conference is a spinoff on my book resilient af which okay. is a spinoff on my program that talks about not only health and wellness, but society, the things that we do, you know, men, like mental health is also how you grew up. Mental health is also the people that you are around, like different things of that nature. So, And so that's what the conference is about. So now it has transitioned into something different. So my, I, you know, when you're doing things, you you start niching down mm-hmm. who your audience is. So over time, my audience has become very specific and I've become very clear on the type of people that I want to help. As much as I want to help everybody, I can't in a sense, but I'm not, I don't discriminate against who I help, but I target black women. Okay. I have men in my program. I have uh, the conference is not for men. It's it's a women's conference, but the program just because it's a women's uh, program, I I'll help you. If you're a white man, you come in, you're you're not going to be turned away. But whenever I'm delivering my messaging, my messaging is for black women, professionals, entrepreneurs, especially people who do not really take time to invest in themselves because they're so invested in helping the family or the kids and have to wear so many different hats. and they neglect themselves. When was the last time you put you first? Before we can even get into what health and wellness looks like, we first need to get into there is no health without mental health. When was the last time you took time to just make sure that your health was in line? We're so accustomed to taking care of the kids, doing what needs to be done with the job, staying up late, church, community, but we never take time to do what we need to do for ourselves. I really want to challenge you today to make sure you take time and just ponder over what it looks like to put you first finally. 
So, so this is your second or third year because I, I remember last year we talked and it was new to me. I don't know how long you've been doing that, that conference. It's, this is the second year. Okay. All right. So I remember uh, last year when we talked, you were saying that you were finding out a lot of things as you, as the, <laughs> as the conference was, uh, as you were preparing for the conference and getting ready for it. And you was like, a lot of things are happening. So I would assume that this year you're probably a little bit more prepared for than last year. Cause I know last year you was like, I didn't know all this was going on here. I didn't know I did put all this together. Cause I think it's, it was growing more or you were adding more speakers or something you were doing as we talked, because I remember talking to you like, Tony, I'm just, this is, you know, a, like I'm just frustrated almost. So what, what was that? Was it, more speakers or it was just the whole process of building up the, the conference when you start growing you start getting uncomfortable so it's just different you know and i wasn't used to everything that i was responsible for so when you're putting on a, a conference and a show and you're talking about changing and transitioning lives that's a lot on your shoulder and mm -hmm. you have to be the person the sole person to make sure that everything runs as it should run and that you're still delivering what you say you're going to deliver it's like almost like my reputation was on the line to decipher whether or not people were going to trust and believe because i know my i know my stuff right? right but it's all about the confidence and getting up there and delivering it and making sure that people are listening and trusting and you're also walking a walk because it's not just about me being a person that people look up to, but they also watch my my actions, you right. know? I'm not perfect, but right. I live a certain type of way and it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just the way I decide to live. So all of that uh, comes in. Like other things is like financial. Mm -hmm. It's a lot because you don't know if anybody's gonna show up. So that was that was that was part of it too. I know you were thinking I'm putting all this together, and I can hear that caring part in you about, you know, whether it comes off correctly, whether people see a lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people just collect the money, they go out there and they do it. But you know, it's bigger than that for you. I can I can hear it in your voice that you really want people to to get it. It's almost like a uh, being more of a teacher than a, uh, even a trainer. Like you want to make sure that these people get this that you're putting out. Yes, because I know I've been there before. Everything that I talk about, everything that I see, I've, I've once was there. And I know what it feels like to, to not live in your truth. I know what it feels like to suffer in silence. I know what it feels like to not be confident. And I'm at a point now where I'm truly happy and I'm free and I'm telling people, y'all, this this feels so good. Like you just gotta, you trust yourself. Like it takes some work because it's not, it's very difficult because people have different things that they're they're experiencing in their lives. So I don't want to pretend like it's just a matter of flipping a switch and it's gonna happen. Right. We create our lives throughout our lives that dictate what it's gonna be. However, mm -hmm. we start. You know, like with me. I don't know if you read my book. Yeah, right. I grew up, I was bad. I was defiant. I was a little thug, right. you know? So if I continue to stay on that path, that's what I was gonna, that's what life was gonna feed me, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I had to switch my people that I was around. I had to start being around people that that wanted to grow, people that were stretching me, people were taking me outside of my comfort zone. That's why that's how I was able to do a conference because I was around different people now that stretched me. I would have never thought to do that because imposter syndrome will kick in really, really fast because you're thinking like, who's going to come and listen to me? Right. Who am I to be telling people this, that, and the other? All of that stuff plays on your mental. Right. You have to have a certain type of, of, of confidence and thick skin, and you have to have a certain type of support system because I wanted to quit 10,000 times. 10,000 yeah. times just to save face because I'm like embarrassed. Like, what if nobody shows up? What if I fail? All of that stuff will mess with you. What I think a lot of things helped was when you went against your grandmother and went to the military. So what made you do that? Because were, were you thinking that was the only way that you could change your environment was to, to go to the military or what? I, I had to. So, yes, I needed to get away and I needed to go far. So and I didn't know how I was going to get there because I didn't go to the military right away because she didn't want me to. I went to college right up the road where my cousins were. She wanted me mm -hmm. to be with my cousins. These people are up here. You need to go here. OK, cool. I did that. And I, I just I just signed up. I needed to do something different. I knew me growing up in a small town. The disadvantage for us is that we don't have a big reach. Or even if we see things, we don't feel like we can get there because we we haven't seen that, if that makes sense. It just right. seems so far. Even seeing people on TV, people on commercials, we see that, but we never fathom that we will ever be those right. people. Right, right, right. You know? And I knew that, like, me going to college, then what? What am I going to do after college? Well, I'm going to go somewhere and get a job? And then what? You know, mm -hmm. it just wasn't enough. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I couldn't stay there. You know, I, yeah. I never forgot where I came from. I just knew I couldn't stay there. So the whole time in college, you pledged, you pledged Delta, right? Sigma I Delta. did. All so day. What, <laughs> <laughs> were you supposed to, what, what is, what's the sign? It's, it's. You know is what it, it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so why was it a family member that was a part of Delta? Or, I mean, why not AKA and why not, you know, what made I don't you know. I was because they were, they, they were more like my personality. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. have family members that were Greek. Okay. Um, I was the only one that I can think of that pledged. Mm -hmm. And it was just, they were just, they were the bomb on the on the campus. AKAs. That wasn't me. I wasn't. I wouldn't have fit in with them because I I, I didn't grow up with a two parent home and, okay. and and all of them didn't. But it was just that was just a persona. You know I what I mean? Yeah. This pretty girl. I didn't wear makeup. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I dressed like a boy. I wore Jordans and stuff all the time. Played sports because I went to college playing softball, so I was an athlete. I didn't okay. fit the criteria, so I never wanted to be an aka i never okay. wanted to be anything else but when i got to the campus and i saw the deltas not only were they like down to earth but they they stood for something right okay. so the community service that they were doing and it was just like the relationship the sisterhood mm -hmm. that they had it was like i need to be a part of that do you still 
uh, find, are you like participating, like, you know, with the sisterhood now, or are you, because a lot of people get busy and they can't really do certain things that they want to do. I am are, still an active member of Delta okay. Sigma Theta. I have a chapter here, ASAC. So I, I, I never even, the only time I was inactive was when I was deployed overseas. Um, but I've always been an active member, a paying active member of Delta Sigma Theta. Okay. So let's talk about the military. So you you out, you 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 leave school and you come home. How long were you home before you went straight to the military? So I didn't come home. So I went to college for a semester. Okay. One semester and that summer I was gone. <laughs> and my grandmother found out when it was time for me to be shipped because my recruiter drove me to my grandmother's house on my way to be shipped out. Your recruiter drove you there. Why? To pick your stuff up or something? I had to tell her. I was just, it was like, hey, I did this. I'm not going by myself because you signed me up. Like, you know, come on, we doing this together. And, right. I, and I was lucky because I got a good recruiter. I had a recruiter and we actually still, we actually still keep in contact to this day because my grandmother, she wasn't happy with me, but mm -hmm. she put it on him. She said, you better take care of my baby the entire time she's in the military. And he gave her his word and he did that. You guys know about recruiters. Recruiters tell you what you want to hear just to get you in. Oh man. I got stories about that. I can tell you, uh, but go ahead. I just not, this is not my day, but I, I got stories. Uh, let me tell you this quick one. I went to the uh, Coast Guard Reserve, and the only reason I did that was because they were giving out $5,000 that summer, and, you know, the Army was booked for six months. I couldn't go for six months. The Navy was a year, military. I mean, the Marines was a year, and that was during the time where everybody was right next door to each other. And so the Coast Guard guy said, can you swim from here to that wall? I said, yeah. Now, that was the biggest lie he ever told because I – you had to swim Olympic size pool. You had to tread water for 10 minutes, but back to your point, they would say anything to get you enlisted. Mm -hmm. And uh, so did he say anything or he, he was truthful to you? I got a good one. So he okay. was truthful to me. Like okay. he never, he never told me any lies. Everything checked out. He continued to check on me, which he didn't have to do because once they get you in, you usually don't hear from them anymore because their job is to right. get numbers. Right. right. But he, he was different. So I got a different type of recruiter that really cared. And I don't know if it was my grandmother or or what, but he he did everything he said he was going to do. She put fear in him. <laughs> I'm going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> I have certain skills. I will track you down. <laughs> OK, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go to boot camp? So I was in San Antonio at Lackland and that's where when you're Air Force that's where you go you can do boot camp in the hot state of Texas okay so then after that do you go to school or are you just right so you do your training there so at the time it was six weeks and mine was a little longer because September 11 happened while I was there so we were on mm -hmm. lockdown for some time and everything shut down for a little bit so I was there a little bit longer so once I left there I went to um, Keesler for my technical school training. Right. And once I did that, I didn't go in full time. I went in as a reservist. So once I did all my training, I returned back to college. 
Now Keesler's that's that's the Gulf. I mean that's the uh, that's Biloxi and Gulf. I mean uh, Gulfport, right? Correct. All right. So at that time, it wasn't any casinos or anything there, right? It was just, or was it? Had they yeah. started on that? Yeah, they were there. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was going back to my older days when I was at Jackson State when we went down there. It was nothing but water and beach. It was, you know, but. You know, I'm I'm about two years younger than you, so yeah, that's you know. it. Just two years. <laughs> that's it. Right. So, did the military take you around the world, or where did you go? I did. I went. I got, actually got the opportunity to do a lot of traveling. Um, I went to college, like I said, I was a reserve member, so I just did like my two weeks out of the year because I still completed college. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went back and and did that. So once I graduated from college is when I really started being able to travel and do things. I did tours, but they were like stateside tours. I didn't do any um, Oconus tours when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, I went to Biloxi. I did it full time. So I went active duty and I went full time. And that's where all the journeys began. So I've been pretty much everywhere in the United States. Of course, I've been all over the Middle East, um, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar. I've been pretty much everywhere. Wow. Where's your favorite place that that the military took you that you said, this is cool. I might can live here if I, you know. Mm, it'll be between, I would say probably Germany, but okay. Qatar was nice. It's very rich. The food is good. The only thing about that location is that um, the way women are treated there it's wow. getting better, but you know, it's 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 the treatment. Like I, I wouldn't, I, I, they'll they'll probably have me in jail somewhere because I couldn't do right. I, say I couldn't, but I wouldn't want to live that type of life. So I would probably say Germany. Okay, cool. Uh, I got a few questions I want to ask you that I put together, and uh, these are kind of you know mentality, mental toughness type questions, and uh, you know. Answer them to the best of your ability here, okay? It's not like a hot seat, so I'm not running the time up on you. But, okay. you know, just give us your best answer here. So what, what would be the first thing keeping people from creating the future that they deserve, in your opinion? What, what do you think is the, is the thing that's keeping people from having the future that they want, the seeing the things that they want? What is, what's, what's getting in the way? Probably fear of failure. Okay. Fear of failure. And in, in me, for me too, a lot, you know, um, I had that mindset. You have to really sacrifice and do things differently when you want to have a better life. Like you have to change. Mm-hmm. And when you're used to doing something and you're comfortable, but you know that you want more, the only thing that's keeping you from going forward is fear of failure or lack of confidence. And, and it's subjective. It's different with different people. So I would say the biggest part is fear of failure, but some people too, it's like your, your situation, right? Mm-hmm. It could be financial. And again, that's fear of failure. So you think like, oh, I can't go because I'm going to get to this place. I'm not going to be able to find a job. All that is failure. So there's so many subcategories that could correlate to it, but the ultimate one is fear of failure. You're, you're nervous about it. You're, you like to be in this comfort zone. You're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You have a place, even though you're not where you want to be, you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because when you start stepping outside of your your comfort zone, 
people get nervous. Everybody mm. do. Everybody gets nervous. That's how you know you're growing when you're uncomfortable. So that will be my my okay my opinion. All right. Next thing. Uh, what mindset shift did you have that made you want to help people create, you know, success, wealth, um, you know, better mental health? What what mindset shift did you have to make you want to help people to do that? I just started taking people on the journey that I was on. So I saw that I was able to help. People were asking for help initially because I didn't just pop out and say, hey, let me help you. People were coming to me because of what I was doing, wanting me to help them. And then I saw that I was I was good at what I was doing. I already cared about people. Um, and then I saw the challenges and the struggles and the things that I was going through. I wanted to be better and I had the strength to push to, to be better. But I see some people, they don't have that same courage and strength. So mm-hmm. my just genuine care for people and wanting to, to at least allow people to have a, a voice. I've seen a lot of suicides in my time. I've seen a lot of people that no longer wanted to be here. And they've told me, and this has been years. It's not just some recent stuff. So I've been invested in making sure people know that whatever life you want, no matter how difficult it is, you can create that. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Sometimes you have to get rid of things that no longer serves you. But that was the main thing that made me want to just really help people. And me seeing the changes that I was making in people's lives, mm-hmm. that pours into me. And it's no longer about me. When I see that I've impacted somebody else's life, that empowers me to keep going, no matter how scared I am. Okay. So, so when I picture this, when you say people were coming to you, uh, you know, I picture you doing a lot of training. Now, I don't know if they were coming to you at, on the military base or were people after your workout come to you say, well, you know, what do you think about this? Can you help me with this? I mean, how, how did that, cause it sounded like some mental stuff was going on with these people. Why did, why do you think they came to you? So people were coming to me initially because I was doing, I was competing and doing shows and my body was transitioning and they were, they were seeing me. So I started helping them to lose weight. That's what they didn't know me from a can of pain. They didn't know Mm -hmm. if I was somebody that could help their mental. Mm -hmm. We just developed relationships from those training sessions or whatever that grew into me wanting to tap into more about what they had going on. So like I said, initially they came for me. That's where it started. This whole journey, I came in just wanting to lose a piece of my stomach and say, I just want to get fine. And being a part of this challenge has transformed my life. I started basically knowing what to look for. So when they would come for me to me for a training or whatever the case may be, I would take it deeper and say, hey, your insides have to be just as healthy as your outside. And we would talk about that because people are always going through something, but mm-hmm. they're not going to let you know. Right. Right. It's uh, it's almost like you have to believe that when you talking to people that they going through something, too, because if you if you believe that, then you're going to talk to them differently. You can't 
assume that they're not because everybody is everybody got some you know cross that they're carrying some burden that they have and a lot of times uh, we only think it's us you know what i'm saying we don't think that somebody else is going through stuff but everybody is going through stuff right you know you right now energy yeah you have to read energy and pay attention mm -hmm. to certain things because if you take time and remove yourself because we'll walk by somebody and ask them how they're doing and we'll keep it moving because we really yeah. don't care how they yeah, do yeah 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 ask them like how you right. doing i'm right. having a shitty day like and yeah. they're not expecting that they it's right. just the right thing to do for some people to just say that but once you take time and genuinely invest in in a person and you know, if you've seen a person for so many times and over time, you start to think like, hey, you're not yourself today. Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, you start to read energy and, and you pick up on certain things they say. You're like, what you got going on at home? Yeah. Like, that don't sound right. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're scared. They want to help. They're, it's a cry for help, but they're embarrassed that they put themselves in that position. They're scared that what's going to happen because just say if you're in an abusive relationship with with a spouse, mm -hmm. you know, you're not reluctant to tell people that. Yeah, and most people are afraid too that that you might, you know, use it against them. Most people don't believe that you care. And a lot of people don't care, like you said, in passing. That's one of the things that I, I like about doing the podcast and interviews. And I have to monitor myself because if I really did it the way I want to, me and you would be in here for about four hours because <laughs> I love to find out what people are doing and why they doing it. And I really care. Like if somebody tell me they work at a plant, I want to really know why. And I, But you can't really go in detail like that here because we'll, we'll be out there forever. But most people really ask questions just to be asking and they really don't want to know and they, they move on. So a lot of people don't want to share certain things, um, which kind of kind of rolls me into the next question that I want to ask you. Uh, how do you keep yourself motivated? You know, like, cause I know when you helping a lot of people, it can be draining too, cause they're draining you in the process of you trying to help them. So, you know, how do you keep yourself going? Even when the chips are down, like for example, and you feel like, well, this ain't working the way I want it to work. What do you do to keep yourself motivated? So, that that's my level of journal talks about that as well it hasn't always been easy so um you pour into people i had to learn to stop expecting people to do what i do right mm -hmm. i started doing things and knowing that this is what i want to do i'm doing this with a with no type of like i'm not looking for anything in return like if, I, if i'm going to pour into you but I had to start setting boundaries because people will take advantage of you because they know that you're going to be that person to show up for them or whatever. So I had to start setting boundaries because it is hard to stay motivated when you are doing everything and you're there for everybody or whatever. And it gets to a point, I don't care who you are, you're going to crash. Mm -hmm. So you had to make sure you, I just made sure I had the right people around me. I started creating a different type of circle and believe it or not, I am an advocate of counseling um, and I'm an advocate of making sure that I stay spiritually connected because when no one else is there, you have to lean on somebody, right. you know, and, and right. flesh is not always guaranteed to be there. So you have to have that spiritual connection. 
So those are some of the things that you have to do. So you have to have strong confidence in yourself and, and purposely develop different tactics for those times because you can't wait until you're feeling unmotivated to figure out what you're going to do. You have to prepare mm -hmm. and train for those times, just like with anything else. You said that you wasn't a reader growing up. And then since you got these two books that you become more of a reader now, what would you say uh, is a book that really one of your favorite books that really enlightened you more and kind of just was, you know, where you get entrenched into, you know, you get a good book. Sometimes you just don't want to, you don't want the book to end. You know, it's like when you, you know, later on, you're ready to read like, Oh, I'm finished with this book. Right. What book did that for you? Believe it or not, the Bible. Really? Yes. Because, everybody says that, but go ahead. I, I want to hear your answer. To yes, because like <laughs> I grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. I knew the Bible only because we talked about it all the time. And, and anything people do or say over a long period of time, you're just going to remember it. Right. But I never was a person to study it and read it and understand why this, why that. Mm -hmm. Um. That to me was the most difficult read. Yep. So I began to challenge myself to see mm -hmm. like what was what's all this about? And then the story started making sense. And you just really start to understand um why this happened or or the strength that, that God had or why he chose this person mm -hmm. and why he did that. And it all correlates with what we're doing here on this earth today. You know, another book. Yeah, another book outside the Bible. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of, uh, today I read a lot of self-help books. Mm -hmm. um, the one that I'm reading now is The 12-Week Year. It's called The 12-Week wow. Year. I've had three people ask me about that book, and that's I hadn't read that, but I've read yeah. a lot. Before. It's called The 12-Week Year. Um, I read The Sales the of Psychology. Um, I read... Um, What's the name of the um, the secret? I listen to okay. that all the time. Okay. I listen to that one all the time. I have a whole list of things. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but right. those are just some of the ones. Um, the psychology of selling. Now that I'm in my field, um, like I read, I used to read a lot of books on procrastination, mindset shifting. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of books I, I do read for pleasure as well. You know. You don't but, read any. You don't read any of those Holocaust novels, do you? No, I don't. My attention span is, 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 I need to know. Okay. All right. So. I, I don't love it like that, but I, yeah, mean, I, read more so, I read more so for growth. I got you. Okay. So tell me three things that you do every day as a routine. You know what I'm saying? When you get up, is it three things you do to maintain your, your mental toughness, to maintain your, your, um, you know, to have a a, a, a a positive thought process for the day. Is it is it certain things that you do like a routine every day that if you didn't do that, you'd be like, wow. Yeah, I pretty I much do the same stuff every day in just a different form. So I invest in my spiritual walk. Okay. Uh, definitely. So I pray now about four times a day and I have an alarm clock set on my phone to make sure I remember because you know how, you know, you'll tell somebody, oh, I'm praying for you. Yeah, you yeah. Just, like, it, I really wanted to be intentional and you. purposeful with, with, with my walk. So mm -hmm. 
definitely my spiritual investing in my spiritual walk, um, investing in myself, what mm-hmm. that looks like. I have to eat like I'm an, I have to eat breakfast as soon as I wake up. So I eat breakfast twice because okay. I get up pretty early in the morning. So I eat breakfast twice, eat the same thing. I eat about four or five egg whites in the morning. I eat a peanut, peanut butter and a banana. That's my first breakfast. After that, I'll probably either work or I'll go to the gym. Okay. So after the gym, I go eat another breakfast because it's still early. I'll go do avocado toast or something like that, a protein shake. Um, so working out the healthy stuff, um, that's pretty much my routine. So I don't mm. I don't really do much. I was just thinking about my life and I was like, I'm pretty like I'm I'm growing into my mother. You know, <laughs> so just I, I like to be at mm. home, you know, okay. so just uh I'm at the computer a lot. I spend a lot of time investing in my business at the computer. So between, you know, working out, uh, you know, being with family, mm-hmm. that's pretty much my routine. Okay. Do you have a uh, a product like a, you know, a shake or health and wellness product that the Blair created? You don't have any? Not yet? I have supplements. Okay. Um, not a not a okay protein. what do you mean like a protein shake or something yeah like something that? you know like i mean i guess a supplement would be a product so i mean it's is that on your website like when somebody yeah. wants okay yeah and, i have supplements on my website okay and these are yours yes they okay. were tested yep they were they were mine they were in testing for them you have to go get some they yeah, um, people from the gym they use my oxy burn which is a fat burner you know what that's your product Yes. I bought some. I used that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I used yeah. the OxyBurn. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's that's my product. Um, I have like the 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 main one is the apple cider. So if people want to suppress their appetite, so I have about ten of them on the site because I just added five more. And all the ones that I have on there are the ones that I use on a regular basis. So apple cider, the um, sea moss. Okay. But they are in peel form, like the elderberry items. So just the okay. healthy stuff. I was wondering where that oxyburn came from. I bought I must have bought it. I bought it from your site or I bought it from you know I had to buy it from your site when no, I got you, the, uh, I ordered it. I ordered it for you. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. So you you just you just you know you were VIP, so you just right, yeah. You just placed the order <laughs> and I just delivered it to but you. I'm still waiting on something, and what is that? Oh, I have to redo your shirts, don't I? Uh-uh. Your hat? What is it? Yes. That? Where's my hat with the eight on it? I remember I said, you know, we I even oh, we designed that, didn't we? Yes. Okay, I owe you I that. I still don't have my hat. I owe you that. Okay. All right. I can have it on today. You know what I'm saying? So no, I owe you that. I want to make sure I get through these questions because I always have some and then I never get through them. So let me ask you this. Suffering in silence. Why do you think so many of us choose to react? that way how do we, why do we suffer in silence why don't we just open up i can say for me growing up i was taught to suck it up yeah. I, was, I was taught that there's nothing you can do about it just keep it moving or we we things that hurt us or whatever we protected family so we never said anything about it even if it was costing us you know our mental a lot of people are, are are scared. They don't trust. They don't know what's going to happen if they speak up. Mm-hmm. And 
society makes us feel like is like it's a sign of weakness by you know especially for men you know we we didn't even that's a whole different conversation and i did one of my lives on that talking about why men never speak up because we men are as as you grow up as little boys you're taught not to cry you know and even as a little girl you know we we can cry but there's certain things that our parents create that causes us to be how we are. Right. So even if we saw our, our, our moms in a, a healthy or unhealthy relationship, they don't know that that could be something that causes us to be suffering in silence because we're accepting things internally that we know we that doesn't feel right. And mm-hmm. that's not right. So it's a number of reasons why people suffer in silence. You know, they're scared. There's fear. You know, there's embarrassment because you're embarrassed that you first put yourself in that position and now you don't know how to get out. You feel like there's no way to get out because somebody has stripped your confidence away from you. And that's why people resort to, to just deciding to take their lives. There's, there's no way out. Unfortunately. Is that a part of your conference? The women's conference? Do you talk about some of this stuff here? Oh, absolutely. We talk about all of that. I give them a platform so we create that space for them to be able to know that you're not alone because the women that I target, like I said, at this point in their lives, they're they're high up in business. So they're the CEOs, the judges, you know, the more so people that pretty much are the leaders in the in the in whatever field they're in. Mm-hmm. They feel that if they let their guards down, that and 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 people it's happened before. I'll say the military, for example, they advocate for you to speak up if you feel like hurting yourself or, or doing something. And when you do, they put the scarlet letter on your chest and they make you feel like you can't do your job because you're not mentally sound because you've said these things right. or, or you're going through this. If I'm going through something at home, um, people are not going to respect me. That's that's what pe- the stigma you know, what do I look like leading you and I'm and my house is in shambles? Mm-hmm. Right. So people hide that stuff. If your kids are on drugs and, you know, running or you're going to hide that you're going right. to be hurting internally. But you don't want the people in your in your ecosystem to know that. Right. Because everybody doesn't have the mentality in 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 they don't give people the same grace that they would want to give themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So they keep it in. So it's rather like, I, I'm not, I'm just not going to tell people what's going on with my life. It's easier that way until it's too late. And then they just explode. If you were talking directly to the little small town, Winona, Mississippi, uh, African-American female there, what would you say to them? To, to that person now to give them some hope. I mean, cause Winona is a, you know, it's a little small town and you have, uh, you know, still got some challenges there um, when it comes to race and things of that sort. So what do you, what would you say to that young girl to say there's hope for you without them thinking, man, this is, I don't know if I'm a, you know, make it out of here or if I'm a, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? So first of all, you you have to being stuck is a decision and you do get brainwashed being down here feeling like, hey, there's nowhere to go. Um, 
there's so many in this day and age, there's so many, the outreach, social media, whatever, like reach out to somebody. When you feel like you can't do it by yourself, you don't have to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. So I would just tell them like to really, really decide what you want out of life. And there's going to be some trials and tribulations and some sacrifices that you have to make. And you just can't like for me, like you can't be uncomfortable. Like if you say you're tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you're really tired, you're going to do something about it. You're going to change. Hey, y'all, let me tell you something. One thing I learned and I realized nobody owes you nothing and nobody's obligated to do anything for you. If you want something, you got to go out there and get it. It's out there. You got to go work for it. You got to get it because it's money to be made. It's people to be helped. And it's so much more in store for you. No matter where you're from, no matter your background, no matter who you are around, go out there and do it for yourself. So nobody can take anything from you. Go out there and work hard, show up every single day and be the best possible version of you and have integrity and loyalty while doing it. I promise you, you won't fail. Go for it. But you have to first off, like just decide that enough is enough. You know, have you ever said when a person is fed up, there's nothing you can do about it. So when you're fed up and tired of being in the same situation, tired of being treated the way you're treated, because down down there in my city, it's like, I don't know how to say it without saying it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not in our favor. You know what right. I mean? So no matter what you do, you're going to be at a disadvantage. But you just got to take risks. You just got to do what you got to do to, to to make it happen. And I know that's easier said than done. Like, talk to somebody, reach out. And that's why I do what I do. For people like little girls that that's back at home feel like there's no hope. I want to be able to, to extend that hand to just give them some guidance because I had to go through it too. So it's not like I'm not going through anything they, they haven't went through. But you have to adapt a certain type of mindset because if your mindset is like, oh, I don't ever think I'm going to get out of here, you're never going to get out of there. So it first right. has to change internally. And you have to educate yourself. That's one thing people cannot take away from you is your education. So you mm -hmm. have to educate yourself and in, 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 in basically like be an advocate for yourself. That's first and foremost. Okay. It's a process, you know, it's not easy. Right, but, right, right. Would you still uh, suggest uh, the Air Force as an option for people? Absolutely. Who Absolutely. It has been very good to me. Um, I made it. I'm not an advocate of the military. I hate the politics in it or whatever, but I made it work for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not even about the love of, because I, I want to be unbought and unbossed. It's not even just the military. It's just period. But okay. what I can't take away from the military is the opportunities and the discipline that has been instilled in me. The things that I was able to see and experience that I otherwise wouldn't have experienced if I wouldn't have, if I would have stayed where I was, because it's just we're just so small, right? Mm -hmm. I would recommend it all day long, even if you did for a short period of time. You don't have to make it a career like I did, but right. just get out there and see something. Once you get a touch of something different, then you'll know what you're missing. But when you don't know what you're missing, you're comfortable. 
Give me one example of when the chips were down. I don't know if it was training, it was the military, or you putting together your program to where you just got so frustrated and you almost just said, forget it. I'm just going to, you know, go work out every day, go home, watch TV. I'm just going to be done with all of this. Was it ever a time where you just almost gave up on yourself, period? And what made you not do that? There's always a time when I feel like that. And that's especially when I'm going to another level. I told you the first time when I really felt like that because I'm good at talking myself into just keeping going because I'm just, I, I, I practice being positive. But that conference almost took me out last year. <laughs> like I literally, I lost weight. I wasn't eating. It was just different because I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. I broadcast this, 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 conference for the entire world to come for me to change their life that was a lot that was a lot for me (laughs) like i had to get people there i had to put it together it was just so much that was going on in my head and i'm like what did i get myself (laughs) i asked myself that on a regular basis i wasn't sleeping because i was so nervous i was like i'm about to be in here by myself ain't nobody gonna come in here like you know and then it's, it's it's costing me all right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, I really want to help people. Like I really have a gift. Like y'all just come like, just right. trust me. Like once you get in my presence, you're not going to leave me, but I got to get you there. And it was just like, I almost, I almost just threw the whole conference away. I, every single day I was like, you know what? Nobody was signing up. You know, black folks. Right. Last they wait to the last, they wait to the last minute. Yes. They gave <laughs> me, they gave me instant heart attacks on a daily basis. Well, you know why though? Because of our funds, you know, we, you know, it's no, no excuse. And there's no, it's not, it's not really excuse. It's just that, you know, a lot of our funds are limited. So we almost wait till the last time. And I, I've, I've done so many events to realize that and figure it out. Why do we do that? <clears throat> but it's almost, it's, 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 it's a different, it's just a different mindset. And, and also, we, you know, if you look at the incomes of African-Americans compared to, you know, other races, you know, we're not we're at the bottom. So our money, we don't really have that kind of planning and that budget that we. So, so I've seen it where that last week they bum rush everything and like, you know, here I come. And so that's uh, hard. Like they can't they can't do that to my no. blood pressure. You know, that's difficult. <laughs> you know, you're. It's not cheap and it gets more expensive over time. And you don't look at the price. You're just like, I have to put on this amazing event. I want to give people an experience and make them feel comfortable. So there's an amazing reason behind why you want to invest in people. Right. Right. But the fact that they want to wait 24 hours hours before the conference starts and start signing up is not. (laughs) And the other thing is that we don't know behind the scenes the cost of a lot of this stuff i know when i was doing these events and this was you know this was 10 years ago i was doing and i just the just the whole stage the the drapes on the stage and the whatever you know all the the lights and all that that i was doing and i was like wow i didn't know it was you know this and this you know the uh the sound system and all that so as you start growing it's going to even get you know more but I receive, I'm going to receive sponsors. I got you. I'm, going to say, I'm not going to have to pay for it because I want to focus 
and and I'm paying for it now because I still care for people. It's like, okay, I'm sacrificing if I gotta pay for it, right. it is, what it is right. but I, I need I have something like like I gotta do this. But if it gets to the point where now I have sponsorships behind me, I can more so focus on what I need to do for the people. Okay. You know, so all of that, all of that is is why people probably when they do events, I'll say in this field, they give up because it's a lot that goes into it. You have to be mentally strong mm-hmm. because you're not just focusing on speaking. You're you're putting together an event. Yep. You're all the pieces. You're the one. And in the midst of that, I still I'm still running my program, my 10 week program. Right. So I'm putting a conference together. I'm still running my program, my 10 week program that's having to change lives, giving them my undivided attention, still doing military Still, you know, speaking, taking speaking engagements, doing other events, all of that. So it's a lot. You have to really balance your life out, you know. So any little thing is almost like, God, you are playing with me for real. (laughs) Just makes you stronger. All right. So the last question, I ask everybody this question. So you got to give me your best answer and you got to tell me why. Ready? All right. Who's the GOAT? Michael Jordan or LeBron? Oh, LeBron. Okay, why? LeBron, you know what? And I grew up, I grew up Michael yeah. Jordan fan because we love the Bulls in our house because my family was from Chicago. But LeBron is a different type of person. You know what I mean? I I, I respect the fact that he's a he's a leader as well. To me, Michael Jordan wasn't the leader LeBron was like he right. is, right? right. So to right. me, LeBron, it's not only about himself, but it's about how he can uplift others. Mm-hmm. So he's more so a leader. He's a, a person that people follow because of how he is on and off the court. I also respect his values that he has. With, with his with his family, with his relationship. So it makes you really, really um, just cheer for him more because of that. Michael Jordan, okay. you know, he did his thing. He was an athlete. Mm, right. Michael Jordan was just good at what he did. He was an athlete. He was a businessman. But when it came to the mentorship and the leadership, LeBron surpasses that. Okay. So that's why you give it to him? Yes. And he's good. He's broke. He's broken records that Michael Jordan had. Like <laughs> he he just broke records with um, right. right. The so scoring he, title and all that. Yeah. You. So yeah. you got to give the man. He's good at what he does on all levels. Okay. Michael is not going to talk about himself. He's not going to say, "Hey, I'm the greatest player that's ever lived." That's not who he is. He's never been like that. But he let his game speak for itself. He bagged it up with how he practiced how he approached the game, and then how he played the game, both physically and mentally. No, I just think that, you know, we play in different eras. He's, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, he's one of the best players in the world, uh, if not the best player in the world. Uh, I know it's a natural tendency to compare eras to eras, and you know, it's going to continue to happen. I'm a fan of his. I love watching him play. But, it's you know, as you can see, our, our league is starting to expand on very talented players and you know I think he's made his mark he will continue to be so do so over a period of time but when you start the comparisons I think it is what it is well all right well I appreciate you uh I know we're gonna do this again because there's a lot of other stuff I didn't ask you about uh and I know you're getting ready for your event and we're gonna 
we're going to actually uh, talk a little bit about that. But uh, I know uh, all the Deltas are going to want to hear that. What's that? Is it? Ooh, what y'all say? <laughs> <laughs> You so quiet and so shy. I just would never expect you even to. Oh. You, did you do the step and all that? Did you step? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I did all of that. Wow. No, like I'm quiet and shy, but when it comes to me doing what I need to do, like I'm a totally different person. So that's okay. the thing about it. It's almost like I have two personalities. I'm just in just real life form. I'm just a laid back person. Okay. Period. But when it comes, when it time, when it's time to perform, Damn, you can do it. Like I do what I need to do. Okay. What was your? What, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what was your uh, line name? You had a not line name. Yes, I am the devastating diva. The devastating diva. All right, cool. All right, well, Val, we gonna wrap it up, but I want to you, you. <laughs> make sure that you like and subscribe and, and hit the all button and all that kind of stuff because we're gonna have. A lot of good interviews uh, on this podcast. Uh, you got challenges that you're going to run across.